welcome to episode 20 of the Far Post podcast. My name is Marissa Lordanik. I'm joined this week by Sam Lewis and Anna Harrington. No Angela Christian Wilkes this week, but uh, she will be back very, very shortly. So let's crack straight into some chat. Let's get into the You Love to See It. Sam, what did you love to see this week? This week, I loved to see Gemma Simon, captain of the Newcastle Jets, score her first goal for the club in almost three years. My You Love to See It last week was about debut goals. This almost feels like it should be part of that package. I'm sure people, most people don't remember the last time Gemma Simon scored, but she's such an important player for that Jets side and the reaction from the team, the reaction from the crowd, everything about it to cap off that amazing 4-1 win over Western Sydney was just sensational. So Gemma Simon scoring goals, you love to see it. You absolutely love to see it. Harrow, what did you love to see this weekend? I love to see a banger from Sophie Ingle, who plays for Chelsea. Um, In the Conti Cup, they came back against Man City and Ingle, she's known for these long shots, but the ball's just got knocked back to her and she's sent this absolute fizzer of a shot into the top corner. Nothing anyone could do about it. Just an absolutely sensational strike. You love to see it. You do love to see it. We'll definitely give that one a retweet. Uh, Since Angela's not here, I'm going to do two. So uh, my first you love to see it was Georgia Yeomandale's goal. It was just an absolutely spectacular shot in that Newcastle game, but a very, very good goal from Georgia. She's been absolutely killing it on the field, off the field. She's been co-commentating literally, I think, every single match it feels like in the W League. So she's just killing it on and off the park. So Georgia Yeomandale, you love to see it. And my second you love to see it this week is we were unfortunately down one member this week, the the Queen of Canberra in our hearts, the, the resident Canberra enough. But um, we're very lucky and we're very excited that we've got another member of the Canberra United Royalty joining us this week. We're very excited to have Ellie Brush joining us for the pod this week. So Ellie, thanks for joining us. So happy to be here, guys. Love your work. So thanks for having me on. <laughs> We love your work, so this is very good for both of us. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, so if for some reason you don't know who Ellie Brush is, she's a foundation W League player, played at Canberra United for absolute yonks, inaugural captain, won a whole bunch of premierships and championships, uh, has played AFLW as well with the West, uh, Greater Western Sydney Giants and then has come back to the dub, has been playing... Uh, for Western Sydney and now at Sydney FC. So she's been everywhere. She's done everything there is to do, a couple of Matilda's caps to her name as well. So I suppose we'll we'll start off with how are you finding the season so far? Well, in general, um, it's been really phenomenal. What uh, We've seen so many amazing goals um, and I'm just loving watching it as a fan, really, as much as anything. Um and having a great time with Sydney as well. Um, great bunch of young girls, uh, and I love being like Ante's great coach um, and mentor. Yeah, we're just having a bunch of fun. Really, it's it's just we're so happy to be playing and not re- not in a pub to be honest. Um, I'm loving the season. Yeah, as I said, it's it's really exciting. As was spoken about before the season, that a lot that this whole Matilda's Exodus thing, but, um, and what did get reported as well was that it'll be a huge chance for young kids to pop up and put, make a name for themselves. And and that's exactly what's happened really. And I think we've seen the best goals in the league for a very long time. And it's, it's only around four or five or, um, so it's, it's a really fun season. And, um, I think just going from strength to strength. How's it been for you um, playing alongside so many young kids this year, Ellie? Because we know Sydney FC has always had a really strong Matildas contingent, but you're definitely one of the most experienced players there and you've got some really young kids, especially uh, involved in defence. Yeah, it's it's a nice role for me. I, I really enjoy it, um, trying to build sort of on that mentoring side of the game and, and trying to, I guess, coach in-game or in, in the moments in training. Um, and I guess just try my best to pass on any sort of experience um, and knowledge I can. So I guess trying, trying to add to that that sort of string to my bow. Um, 
maybe brings out the best in me as well. Um, but, yeah, I'm loving uh, playing alongside those guys and uh, it's, it's great to have Teresa Polias there as well to sort of make me not feel quite as old. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, she's, she's great. Um, she's great and to have her as captain and, and be for a, I don't know. She probably had, it feels like she's been captain at City for the ten years, but she's but yeah, been there for ten years and um, lives and breathes Sydney and um, yeah, I love working with her and um, and as I said, the coaching staff. Um, yeah, so loving my time there and uh, yeah, trying to get the best out of everyone really, and that's just sort of my main mantra for the season. Ellie, you got called up. Um, for Matilda's Talent ID camp with a lot of those kids that are really playing with a lot of freedom. How was that for you? Because you're one of really, I think you were the only capped Matilda there and you're one of only a couple of sort of senior players. How was it being in that environment with these kids that are looking to get their first opportunity and you're probably, I imagine you're someone who's looking to maybe get back into the fold. How has that sort of experience been? Yeah, it was really, really good. Um, Coaching staff were phenomenal, all female. I might add, it was um, incredible down in Canberra. Um, everyone very professional and, and doing a great job. Um, and, yes, I felt old, that's for sure. Um, almost, I was probably definitely closer to the coach's age than <laughs> all the coach's <laughs> ages than, the, uh, than the, my colleagues. Um, but, anyway, no, it was, it's sort of, it was sort of just similar to what I'm sort of talking about here at, at Sydney of um, – just trying to impart some feedback and knowledge to the kids and, I mean, trying my best of, yeah, I've, along the way and, yes, certainly I still have those sort of aspirations. It's a bit of a um, fire in the belly still, a bit unfinished business sort of a thing um, and I want to try and do the best for myself. But, um, yeah, it was a it was a great experience to, to get to know some of the kids and, um, yeah, they've the coaching was was great for them, and um, there's still a long way to, to go with some of. But they were such. Uh, some of them are really young, so and just brought in for some experience. So um, it's great that we're getting that. You know, quite a few levels of um, experience in in really young kids, and then they're going to be just bit, so much better off it for the next time around. And um, you see that you saw them throughout the the camp, sort of ease into it and get gain more and more confidence so they're just going to be much better off for it. I'm interested from your perspective as a defender are there any young defenders who you are really rating coming through the W League recently? Yeah um, there's a few in our team but um, I'll pick around the league a bit um, actually one is Jess Nash, Jessica Nash um, who I was a bit sad we didn't sign her at Sydney Um Throughout the off season, to be honest, um, she we, she was a train on with us last year, and I think maybe the, even the year before that. Um, so she yeah she was really impressive last year as a as a train on and a, um, a big a squad player. Um, so I spent a lot of time with her um, trying, to, and she was just really receptive to any coaching and. Um, yeah, it was phenomenal. Um, I think her her potential is really, really great. Um, I, I can't wait to see what she's got in store. And changing tack a little bit, Ellie, I wanted to ask you about something uh, that is quite specific to a more recent game that you were in. Uh, yeah. One of the big talking points coming off the last Sydney derby was about double headers, uh, about yes. whether or not uh, whether or not they're good for the women's game, good for the W League, good for players, good for fans. What's your take on double headers, particularly the one that you were in where the women's game was played second? Um, in general, I do not like them. Uh, I thought it was an interesting experiment going with us playing later and I sort of um, was glad to be involved in an experiment like that. At least we tried it. Um, and at least we had the, yeah, at least we tried it. Um, and it sort of felt like, ooh, we're the main show and the boys were the curtain raiser, curtain raiser in quotation, like that we usually are the lead-up game. And so in general, that's probably why I don't like doubleheader. 
as long as uh, along with all the things you guys mentioned last episode with costs um it's people shouldn't pay exorbitant amounts um to come and watch watch i i, I reckon anyone but it should be accessible for all um as well as the six hour sitting out in a stadium in the sun um i literally i would be well i do i go home, often go home after our games because i'm exhausted but um i don't know if i'd sit around i love football i don't know if i'd be able to sit around for two whole games um and but in in one of the positives warming up straight away after the men's for our game was you looked into the crowd and there were heaps of young families and lots of young girls and we were waving every time we sort of or they were waving at us us first every time we sort of ran over to that side of the field and back and I think like that was a real positive of of sparking a bit of inspiration there um hopefully there's some of those young kids and knowing oh my gosh the girls can play too like that would have as at that age for me that would have been huge so maybe there was some um something gained there with exposure and and that's great but at the end of the day I would would like would would love us to just have our games standalone and properly advertised and marketed so that as many people can get to them as possible and it's accessible for all and everybody knows about it and why why aren't our results on the news and in the paper like all, like all the men's games are and yep you I think we blow the same horn here guys trumpet guys but um yes uh I certainly um heed your word there of yeah I, yeah exactly I'd love it uh in a perfect world just to be a standalone um game with with proper resources and I mean Often for our game, our doubleheaders, our game is not even mentioned on ticket. Like Sydney FC versus Western Sydney Wanderers, um, kick off seven pm. Gates open five. Um, we start at five oh five. It's not mentioned on the ticket. Like it's it's been a bit of a joke, really. Some of the the marketing sort of shambles that come with it. Like and when we can't. People just want to come and watch our game as well, but they 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 can't get tickets often because they have to buy a men's ticket. And anyway, here we are. So the yeah, I reckon like in that space, the AFLW has done a pretty good job of um, having it, its own window. I I don't mind it if they're gonna being in the same window if they're gonna um, market it equally and and really show an equal footing. Um, for all of us playing football, but why should why should your son, you know, grow up to be able to be a million bajillionaire and your daughter not <laughs> playing football? Anyway, rant over. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Rant. You fit in right on this podcast. Yeah, well, well, everyone <laughs> listening, welcome to the fifth member of the Far Post podcast, Holly <laughs> Rush. <laughs> Melon out, Ellie. <laughs> yes. oh. Just to touch on that game, Ellie, you scored and talking before this recording, you actually are the owner of one of the great niche stats of the W League. You've scored more goals than any other defender apparently. Uh, how do you feel about holding this record and how much do you love a goal? Love a goal, yes. All my teammates will tell you um, at training I love a goal. Um, so to do it, you know, in front of all the the eyes of everyone, <laughs> and celebrate like a crazy person um, is is phenomenal because they really do not come around very often, and we're not, you know, we're not, we don't get, I don't ever get in those group photos of everyone hugging <laughs> after a goal that's put in the marketing and waved around. I'm 200 metres away by the time those photos are all finished being taken. So <laughs> it's nice to, to have one of yourself. Um, but, yeah, I didn't know that, that stat. That's nice. <laughs> Bring it there up in training, um, I reckon. And the other thing Sam pointed out, if you might have heard this on the pod a couple of weeks back, is you love celebrating your teammates' goals as well. Oh, you might not I always saw Sam retweet this. 
But you did. You Yeah. Do you know what? I yeah, that's so funny that Sam put that up because the week before so that was against Newcastle. So the week before when we played um Western Sydney, in our match review, um Ante was going through like we, we sort of go through good and bad stuff and blah blah blah. Then get to the goals at the end. And we watched them all through and Ante was like, now go back to that first goal and everyone just cast your eyes down to the bottom, very bottom right corner and <laughs> it's me. And so we're watching watching the sort of it play out and the goal's scored and I just absolutely lose it, go ballistic, um, with Courtney Vine scoring the opener at Bankwest Stadium. Um, and it's and of course that wasn't on the coverage. That was like from the bird's eye view of the game vision, um, and everyone just cracked up laughing. They're like, "Is your shoulder okay? Have you literally thrown out your shoulder?" But yeah, everyone cracked up laughing. And yeah, I do love a goal celebration, and I actually that I definitely love other people's goals way more than mine. I, I'm honest about that. That's that. Well, there's a lot more. Of, those so lucky um but yeah he did point that out and then the week after you um noticed that picked that up in the coverage sam and um tweeted the little gif thing when someone had even said i've got to make a gif out of that and there you go (laughs) we all we actually we fed that around our group chat and far hard at that and yeah (laughs) wow yeah you're you're famous within our ranks that's for sure yeah, thanks for picking up on that. But I, awesome. yeah, I, yeah, you've got to, yeah, you've got to love other people scoring more than yourself. And it's I, such a nice thing. Yeah. yeah, totally. It's such a nice thing, I yeah. think, because it's it really shows the kind of camaraderie that you were talking about before, you know, especially this season. There seems to be something about this season across all the different teams mm. where there's just this sort of joy. Everyone is just so stoked, really, to be playing with each other, to be playing football at all, considering the circumstances of the rest of the world, you know. It just And that, that's sort of one of those really cool moments that really sort of spoke to me in that way. Uh, cool. Yeah, no, nice to hear. Um, it, it certainly is. And I guess that, yeah, we mentioned the AFLW, but um, and one thing that, that probably I realised, like, set, like, the club land apart from club land soccer um, is that like that's the pinnacle at AFL? You you can't then go and represent Australia, so there's not this tension underlying um, competition. Of course, there is for spots, but um, you want your team to to do as best it can, which is really coming to the W League this season. And yeah, I, as I said, I'm a big fan of watching Newcastle and Canberra and Victory play and um, yeah, I think a lot of people are the same um, in that regard. We just we just want to see everyone do really well in the league to get a good rap. All right, so we have to thank Ali Brush again for jumping on with us. And now through the magic of television and the passing of time, we have Angela with us and we're going to talk some W League. So let's crack straight into that chat we had a full round of games and we had some pretty epic results over the weekend starting with Adelaide beating Melbourne City for the very first time ever Sam how significant of a result is this I think it's quite significant you know even though Melbourne City uh don't seem to be the same kind of team that they have been over the past couple of years, they're still a good side. They still have a whole bunch of, you know, senior and young Matildas in that team. They still have a couple of internationals who are really good quality. And we saw in their game against Melbourne Victory that they can play really good, really high-pressing, really energetic and really organised football. So Adelaide United coming out and beating them for the first time in their history and also for the first time at home. I don't know what kind of quirk of the draw meant that this was the first time that City had ever travelled to Adelaide to play them, but that is wild and I think is something that Football Australia or the leagues need to like consider uh, or reconsider, is, is just amazing. The crowd there was fantastic, even though it was pretty stiflingly hot from the looks of things. Adelaide just didn't look like they 
gave a shit. Like they were just, they were, they were great. They were really, really up for it. They looked, I mean, we've talked, we talked about this in previous episodes, I think, but they, they just look so in sync with each other this season. All the players are doing a fantastic job um, in where they're required. And there are a number of players who have really stepped up um, in the absence of some of those international players who left last season as well. Dylan Holmes is the the best example of that um, on the weekend, scoring both of those goals. You know, uh, she's 23. She's become Adelaide's captain after being at the club for a number of years now. Um, remember a couple of years ago when uh, the two Icelandic players were um, were playing for Adelaide, that Dylan Holmes was actually fantastic in the middle of the field with them. She didn't look out of place at all next to, you know, a, a multiple times capped international player. Um, and so she's she's really sort of taken um, the responsibility of leadership in her stride, I think, and her two goals were fantastic. The way that she uh, controls the tempo of the game, the way that she um, sort of helps lead the press in midfield, the way that she keeps things organised and balanced across the field as well. It's, it's, she's super, super impressive. And if she continues this form, um, I wouldn't be surprised if she earns a Matilda's call-up because at the moment she is completely uncapped and she's also a dual international. So she can be called up by both Australia and Brazil. So uh, let's hope that Australia gets uh, gets in on that pretty quick because she's looking like a really hot ticket at the moment. First of all, can we get like some sort of sting for when someone calls for a Matilda's cap? Um, because I think we're going to need it this <laughs> W League season. Uh, Sam's pulled the pin on Claire Wheeler, all in on Dylan Holmes. Um, but actually, on a, on a serious note, uh, I think you're right, Sam. I think Holmes is sort of the embodiment of what Adelaide are doing this season. We sort of flagged it pre-season that this might be the year we're having some continuity in their squad finally paid off. These players know how to play together. They understand each other's games. They just get it. Like, they're obviously get on really well. They've got some young players who are sort of trying to crack at the next level. They've got some stalwarts. And then you throw in, as we like to mention every week, the summer of Cote Rojas for something a little bit different. And all of a sudden they just offer something unique. We we know that they were always a sort of hardworking, energetic team, lots of really good athletes. Um, and then some players like Condon and Holmes who um, could always, I guess, do the thing, but are, just needed maybe a nudge to get up to that next level. And I think we're starting to see a bit of that. It's really exciting. Um, we said preseason, we hope this would be the year they could break their finals drought. Had doubts over it, but no reason why they why they can't. Um, I guess the one encouraging thing to come out of that for Melbourne City was Emma Checker heading that late goal. Um, mentioned, um, we think we were all quite impressed with how she came back in that Melbourne derby. And um I think she sort of is just going to keep kicking on. It's, it's really exciting for a player that's had so many injury setbacks. Really nice girl, really quality player that she is um, just sort of keeping on and getting the, the minutes sort of ticking over in her legs. Yeah, and I, I think that goal from Checker was sort of, yeah, a long time coming in this game. So I was really surprised, well, not surprised. I watched the game and I saw it happen, but the 10 corners for City, the fact that they were attacking that much, especially in the first half, there was a lot of pressure that Adelaide, I think, absorbed quite well. And I don't think City had any yet really crisp, good chances on goal in that first half. And it was only, yeah, Checkers, like, own individual performance in that second half to get that goal back that I think... And then that and gave them that sort of, I guess, I don't know what I'm saying. I haven't had much coffee yet. Anyway, but um, yeah, I think City definitely, they weren't out of it. And I I know that um, Adrian Stenter, it was mentioned on the broadcast, he had a, a bit of a yell <laughs> at his players um, at halftime because he thought that they could be doing better. And I think that that reflected and they came back out and they had so much more energy and were pressing a lot more and changed their style a little bit, which was awesome to see. But I think a really strong defensive performance from Adelaide as well to keep City out of it and to just clutter things back there and make sure that there wasn't those that clear pass into the goal available for someone like Chidiak, who was definitely looking for it and looking to repeat, um, you know, that goal from two weeks ago in the derby where she just scurried around and then placed it so beautifully. So, yeah, really impressed. Um, and also, yeah, their attacking player, Sam said, was excellent in terms of finding those um, avenues and co- 
Kote Rojas. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Anyway. Speaking of defensive players and sort of bouncing off uh, something that Ellie Brush was talking about um, in our chat, which is the the emergence of young defenders. You know, we've talked about this on the pod before. There is a considerable lack of depth of centre-backs at senior Matilda's level. And one of the centre-backs who has really impressed me is Matilda McNamara from Adelaide United. You know, young player, Grace Gill um, also sort of rated her as well. Um, I can't remember when it was. I think she was asked about it on a broadcast. Um, But she is one young player who has really looked like she belongs next to, again, another international, Mariska Waldis, um, who's been standing next to her and doing a really great job. She, I think, reined in a lot of Melbourne City's uh, more sort of forward-moving players extremely well, and she's been doing that all season so far. Um, her alongside you know, Jessica Nash, who Ellie Brush really rates as well. You know, these young players are out there. These young centre-backs are out there. They're really talented. Um, they don't look out of place at all. And, you know, one of the one of the best things, I think, uh, one of the best ways in which you can judge the impact of a centre-back is that you don't notice them. You just see what doesn't happen as a result of them being there. Um, and I think watching Matilda McNamara or not watching Matilda McNamara uh, sort of really speaks to that. Short version. Adelaide, good. <laughs> Adelaide, good. City, shrug emoji. Um, but let's carry on with, I suppose, quick addition. We'll move on to the largest result of the round. Brisbane 6, Melbourne victory, nil. I feel like how much more time can we possibly dedicate to talking about Brisbane Raw you know, they finally did it. They finally did the thing. Harrow, what did you make of Brisbane and of victory as well in that game? Just going to assume they listened to the pod, heard the Brisbane draw joke, got real angry and were yeah. like, well, fucking we'll show Angela. <laughs> uh, You're welcome, Jake Goodship. <laughs> yeah, we. I think we flagged for weeks that, you know, there was a chance of this happening. I don't think anyone was expecting it to happen against Melbourne Victory after they put six past Melbourne City two weeks ago. Um, yeah, it just all fell into place for for Brisbane. Um, Tamika Yallop was everywhere, scored a sensational goal. Emily Gilnick got on the end of a couple. Um, Mario Hecker opened the scoring, which was great for them. Victory missed a couple of chances they really should have buried. There was one at 2-0 down. Um, I think it was Melina Reyes um, didn't put it away. Uh, and from there, Brisbane just really rolled on. And I think the most disappointing thing for victory would have been conceding those two goals after the 90th minute because we talked about this two weeks ago with Melbourne City. When you cop a scoreline like 6-0, it means you fold it at some point. Brisbane were sensational and probably deserved to win by four, four or so goals, but probably wasn't a 6-0 game, and I think victory would be super flat coming home from that one, understandably given the result, but also given they shipped two really late goals. But we knew this could happen for Brisbane. We said they had to start getting points on the board. We knew they had these goal scorers available. Tamika Yallop coming into the side, I think, just does heaps in terms of their energy. Um, she's a gun, like clearly too good for this level. And Brisbane, I think, is super lucky that they've got her for this season. Um, she was everywhere, super player. And, yeah, we <clears throat> sorry, as I've said so many times, we knew this was coming. We didn't know when. It just felt like if they got one away or two goals away, then things might just roll on. They seem like a real confidence team and, geez, they'll have all the confidence in the world after that. I think another player worth mentioning who came into the side and who I think made a really big impact for for Brisbane was Olivia Chance. Uh, That was her first start of the season so far, the Kiwi International in midfield, and she was just excellent. She was so, so, so good from the opening whistle. She is has such great ball control, such good decision-making skills under pressure, um, and she took the place of Katrina Gorey, who is, you know, someone who I think we all expected would probably start every game this season, considering what's happened in terms of the lack of internationals and blah, blah, blah. But I feel like Olivia Chance sort of is going to start to push Katrina Gorey a little bit for that starting spot based on that performance against Victory. She was just so influential. And to be honest, that's probably what Katrina Gorey needs, mm. you know, particularly when it comes to national team stuff. Like I think perhaps over the last couple of seasons she's become maybe a little bit complacent, 
um, a little bit resigned to her sort of position on the bench for the Matildas, um, but maybe sort of having this in clubland is going to give her a different kind of um, uh, a, a different kind of inspiration, a different kind of pressure that is week in week out, and that she knows that she needs to address um, in order to start for Brisbane if that's what she wants. You know, she doesn't have to want that, and that's fine. Um, but if I mean, if she if she does, then that's fantastic because she's a fantastic player, and we know that what she can do when she is in form. And so having someone like Chance, who is obviously also in form and who is contributing really well to what Brisbane are doing, is I think going to be uh, have really good ripple effects across um, on Gorey as well. Yeah, Sam, I've I'm pretty sure I've seen in interviews in the past talk about how Gorey and Yelp have always been able to sort of push each other because they're two players that play that more attacking midfield role. They have very um, they're very different styles. Sorry, like. I think Gori is the uh, the soccer Twitter sort of favourite because of, you know, the way she can ping passes and look creative, whereas Mitamiki Yallop is the sort of player that teammates love, coaches love, because she does these amazing forward runs and she works so hard and she's the sort of player that every squad loves to have, pops up for goals at important times. So there's always been that sort of competition internally there, obviously be a friendly competition. They've been teammates for a long time. But I think if you then add someone like a chance in as well, it just ups the ante that little bit because I think um, Yallop, if she's fit, you're always going to play her. But having that extra bit of competitiveness for all three players, but especially for Katrina Gori, saying, you know, you've, if you want to, you know, be the star of the competition, you've scored, some, you've scored a great goal earlier this season, we know what you can bring, then internal competition is the best thing for it. And maybe that's just what Brisbane Raw needed as well, was to say we can mix things up. Like we saw it a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about how having Rosie Sutton in at nine had straightened them up a little bit and offered something a bit different. Um, Sometimes all you need is just a bit of fresh personnel to spark things and shuffled the formation a little bit. Um, And we saw Mario Herker finally sort of manage to hit the scoreboard and then things sort of flowed on from there. Um, and Emily Gilnick as well. It seems like the pressure valve sort of been released there um, after scoring her first goal last week. So, no, it, this has to be the point for Brisbane to to kick on from. I think you you have to when you're on the right end of a result like this, you have to use it to roll on. Um, on the flip side, I think Melbourne Victory have to kind of just write this one off as an anomaly, don't they? Like you have to go. We're not going to ship something like this again put it behind us. Unfortunately for them, they've lost all the great goal difference that they made two weeks ago um, and it's back to sort of square one for them. Um, I think a real, certainly, a, I guess a learning experience. You have to go, well, we thought we might be right up here. We want to be right up here. But all of a sudden, I think they've got to reassess where they're at. We know they were without Anneli Longo, Lisa Devana, but you still can't be shipping six. There's still plenty of quality in that team. And uh, I'm actually really excited because they're playing Adelaide on Friday and I reckon that's going to be an absolute cracker because you're going to have victory that should be absolutely burning after copying the result they did and out to really prove a point. And Adelaide, like we know Adelaide victory in, in the men's game is a very fierce rivalry, but I'm sure the girls would want to get one over both Melbourne teams in the space of about a week as well. Adelaide are in all sorts of great form and victory are have now got a point to prove. So it's actually kind of made me even more excited for the game we're going to have this weekend. It is going to be interesting as well to see, will Victory field a full bench? They only had four on the bench against Brisbane and they had uh, elevated one of their train-on players in Paige Zoyce. So that's something to keep an eye on for the upcoming game, as Harrow said. But let's move right along. So I reckon... Well, in my humble opinion, the funnest game of the round was Newcastle-Western Sydney. The Jets got up 4-1. It had everything. There were saves. There were spectacular goals. There was a bit of spice. It was just really, really fun. Harrow, thoughts, feelings, opinions? I was just going to say, you know what else it had? It had a Tara Andrews goal. <laughs> Woo! Horns. Yes, we need a we need a button for that. <laughs> We it's just a little someone wind. saying, she's neat. <laughs> I just think she's neat. I just think they're neat. 
We really needed that after Brisbane uh, <laughs> draw getting utterly wrecked, didn't we? Uh, but no, we, we've talked about this. Newcastle have shown plenty of potential this season. I think it's maybe to like a lesser extent of what we talked about with Adelaide. Like um, I know Sam flagged in preseason that they're probably not as bad as people think they're going to be because they've got players that have played together for quite a while. They've um, elevated some local talent. They've really backed in some players and they have players like Andrews and Gemma Simon who um, have been around for years. Um, I might throw over to Sam in a minute just to go into Newcastle a bit more, but yeah, there's there's no reason why this performance wasn't coming. I think Western Sydney will be really, really flat, obviously, that they've shipped four, but Newcastle have this sort of renewed energy in midfield. Um, they've managed to sort of mix up the goal scorers. We saw Alan score two on the weekend. It's yeah, it's, it's it's really exciting stuff. And for the fans that have been there these last few weeks and have seen the potential um, for something more, I think it's really exciting. Uh, the, the competition's looking really open at the moment, and uh, nah, fantastic stuff from Newcastle. And how good did the game look at number two sports ground too? Mm. You know, like I, I've been thinking about this kind of stuff for a while and I think I'm now very settled on the idea that W League games need to be played at smaller grounds, smaller community grounds, um, grounds obviously that can support the kinds of facilities and the broadcasting stuff that it requires and we'll get into that a little bit later obviously. Um, but number two I think is a, is the perfect example of the kind of stadium that, W League players love, W League players thrive in, and that the community really gets around. So the whole game uh, in that place at that time, in that sort of form that, that Newcastle are in, I think was just, it was just so much fun to watch. You know, it was the it was the kind of performance from a Newcastle side that I think their fans have wanted for a really long time, but just by virtue of the, the makeup of the rest of the league, they haven't really been able to... Um, to sort of show what they can do. Um, I think there were probably some concerns for me as well coming into into the season um, knowing that they had lost almost their entire midfield. But it's actually Newcastle's new midfield that have been one of the most outstanding in the in the league. You know, this combination that, uh, that's been sort of um, put together over the last couple of games between Alicia Bass, Cassidy Davis and, um, and Rihanna Policina. It's just perfect. It's perfectly balanced. Alicia Bass, I think, is a, is a really exciting player. I've just returned from US College. Um, and they, they just seem to have a hunger and a fire about them that really sort of uh, emanates and, and affects the rest of the team. So, yeah, I mean, I think Ash Wilson is, uh, is doing such a good job. You know, she seems to have instilled a mentality and a culture in that side that it seems like all the players are really responding to. Um, she has a, a system and a philosophy that is really getting the most out of the players and the talent that she has. And she's really relying on a lot of the sort of pockets of chemistry that were already existing in previous sides and that she worked with as well because, remember, she was an assistant under Deans for five years. So she knows all these players. She knows how they how they work. She knows what, what how they respond to certain prompts and certain types of training. She, like, she knows all this sort of stuff. Exactly the same as Adrian Stenter at Adelaide. He was the assistant under Karlovich. So all this sort of stuff just seems to be coming to a head for both of these these teams, um, and it's it's just fantastic. Like I'm I'm so so excited for um, both Newcastle and Adelaide to start to play other teams, uh, particularly mm. when when New South Wales based teams get to go get to go outside uh, and and play and play teams from um, from the rest of the competition because I feel like that will be the real test. Um, but something tells me based on the performances so far that uh, Newcastle are not going to be the pushovers that they have been in the past. Well, Sam, just to touch on what you said about Ash Wilson, she obviously under Craig Dean, she was the assistant for years. Doesn't this just show like the value of really making the most of these pathways for female coaches? There's no reason why, and we talk about it in every sport. I know it comes up in AFLW season and it comes up in the W League. Like These top female coaches, they should be getting these opportunities to serve I guess this apprenticeship come through get these opportunities immerse themselves in the playing group learn from good coaches and Craig Deans was fantastic at Newcastle really overachieved with that squad for several years um and now Ash Wilson's starting to reap the benefits um we know late last year when she was interim that's a very difficult role to fill but she's got the full pre-season with this team they clearly 
love and care for each other. They go hard. Um, they want, I don't know if they've got a bit of a chip on their shoulder about their poor season last year and really want to prove a point, but there's certainly plenty of hunger there. And I think the other thing that contributes to that is lots of young local talent who are keen to prove their point. They've, you know, they, some spots are up for grabs with the likes of like a Claire Wheeler, um, for example, moving on. So it is really exciting. And yeah, I guess the proof will be in the pudding when all these teams start to get let out of their respective bubbles and get unleashed on the different parts of the W League. But no, it's really exciting. I hope it continues um, because it's what the league needs. And also, I think you know we know that Newcastle as a club has had such a turbulent few months. Um, it's great to see the the players be able to do the thing that is in their control that they can actually have an impact on and that's going out there and winning games of football or if not winning they're competitive in every game um so yeah fantastic and hopefully we see more of that another thing as well as I, I i interviewed ash wilson um yesterday uh about about pathways for for women coaches in australia and in the w league and one of the uh, one of the things that she mentioned just in terms of the sort of culture that's been built at newcastle and um how they've managed to keep the squad together was that Tara Andrews, you know, we spoke, I think, last episode about the fact that Sydney FC had been trying to sign Tara Andrews for the last couple of seasons. So have the Wanderers, apparently. Uh, but she said no. She wanted to stay at Newcastle. She wanted to stay with this group of people. I mean, she lives and she works in Newcastle as well, so that that's important. But, it's, uh, you know, Wilson commented on the fact that it, it really speaks to um, not just Tara's dedication to the club but to the kind of environment that they've built there for everybody where everyone really feels included. And I'm, I think back to one of the uh, the PFA player reports that were released uh, a year or two ago where um, players were asked about club culture. They were asked about how included they feel by the A-League side and by the rest of the club. And Newcastle players rated Newcastle the highest of any of the other players in the league. So it suggests to me that the club really have something important going on there. And I'm not surprised at all that uh, the, the women's team is now reaping the benefits of that sort of ongoing sort of multi-year kind of investment off the field. Um, and I really hope they kick on because it would just be great for the league, it'd be great for the players, and it would be great for Ash Wilson, you know, who who really deserves it. Yes. So final game of the round, we had Canberra and Perth drawing 1-1. Perth have uh, earned their first point of the season. Canberra are scoring late again. Um, Angela, what did you make of Canberra-Perth? Thoughts, feelings? takeaways I think Perth uh did yeah did really well to stifle Canberra and and not let them I guess have the run of the game and that was really reflected in the result um and yeah it was Perth that got that first goal there so for a brief few minutes it looked like they were going to be able to take home their first three points of the season um and it both goals, I think it was sort of um, indicative of maybe a lapse in concentration and both happened quite late into the game as well. Um, so it was just like an unmarked run on an uncleared ball that got the first goal for Perth. And then um, that second one for Canberra, they just attacked really quickly and didn't waste a second and sort of unfortunate deflection off the post. There was some debate whether it was Michelle Heyman's goal or someone else's. Um, I'm not sure if that's been resolved but anyway yeah so I think yeah Perth um was really impressed by Perth they didn't necessarily play uh pretty football I don't think um and I think a lot of it was more about um making sure that Canberra didn't do their thing but that was a game plan in and of itself that seemed to yield some results so yeah looking forward to seeing what they do I feel like they yeah finally sort of hitting their stride a little bit um and everyone knows, you know, they had a, a bit of a rough trot to the start of the season. So I think it might only be on and up from here for them. Yeah, Angela, I agree in terms of Perth being quite tenacious. But I also thought it was a real missed opportunity for Canberra. Um, watching that game, <clears throat> I was filing our W League rap for AAP. And the whole time I was looking, I was like, Sydney are on top. But Canberra can go top spot if they win here. And they dominated most of that game. They had so many chances. I thought they wasted so many chances. Um, they really could have put Perth to the sword at times. And Perth were great, tenacious. They did well to scramble that goal very much against the run of play when they looked out on their feet. And Canberra actually had to salvage a draw. Um, it was 
Haley Talley Young just basically from the restart bursting through a couple and she did get credited with the goal in the end. I think Michelle Heyman it's come off the post and gone in and Heyman's just bundled it over just to make sure. Um, and we love that from her. Um, but yeah, I thought a massive missed opportunity for Canberra, to be honest. Like um, we talked about how Adelaide had made the most of um, Perth still sort of finding their gears and managing to take six points against them. Uh, Canberra dominated that game. So many chances. Um, I know there were some good saves at both ends. Um, Lily Alpha was pretty busy for Perth. But, yeah, I just think on, on another day, if Canberra are a bit more clinical, um, they, they go top with that. And maybe that's a sign of inexperience for some of their players. I know they do have that core. They were missing Kendall Fletcher. Um, but, you know, the, I think that's the next step in this resurgence for Canberra is taking that sort of game to use my cliche, by the scruff of the neck, being ruthless and making the most of it. Um, and I think they might actually look at that game. As, I know they they went behind, but I think Canberra will probably look at that game as two points dropped um, because they probably should have taken home the result. The question for, for me when it comes to Perth going forward, and it's the same question that I have with the Wanderers, which we didn't really talk about in the Newcastle chat, but where are their goals going to come from now? Because Gemma Crane has torn her hamstring uh, for Perth. She is going to be out for the rest of the season and she was looking like the the out-and-out striker that Perth had. She was looking really, really busy in her first couple of games. She she looked like the kind of player who would eventually start to bang some away. But she's gone now and it doesn't seem like Perth have necessarily thought about a backup uh, plan to, to that issue. And... Similar with the Wanderers, like I know that they do have a, a more traditional striker in Lena Kamis, but Lena Kamis is, you know, she's not particularly in form. She's quite slow now. She's a little bit older and she hasn't been delivering in the first couple of games. And so you have to really start to wonder now. Uh, we're almost halfway through the season, you know, where, when are they going to start to score goals? Because you can't, you can't defend your way to uh, a premiership. You can't defend your way to the top four, I don't think, anymore. Um, you need to have someone to bang goals away. And at the moment, those those two teams just don't seem to have that. But I think it will be an interesting point of difference to other seasons that perhaps that'll be the um, thing that, you know, splits the wheat from the chaff this season rather than just having, I guess, a team that's getting, um, you know, beaten significantly week in, week out, which we have seen shades of in the past. I mean, there's always been... Um, I guess that middle section, I don't know what I'm saying. But basically looking at the table, you can tell that any sort of teams sitting below the top four at the moment could creep up. But as you said, Sam, that lack of goal scoring ability could definitely be the thing that locks players out rather than just having a team that isn't thriving across all areas of the field, which has sometimes happened in the W League and has been like the obvious wooden spoon. But yeah. So keen to see how that eventuates. And also not to jump on a bad bandwagon, but Lily Alfeld, how good. She's incredible and I'm really enjoying watching her play. I I think it's like being said, but she could definitely be, um, yeah, another decisive element in this Perth team to see where they can go and probably define, yeah, define their season a little bit. I I did literally tweet that I thought she would, irresponsible for um, Perth continuing to nick points off teams. And I think they, well, we've now seen they have the potential to be that team that, you know, you go there kind of maybe expecting three points and you only come away with one and it does kind of throw a spanner into the into the seasons of some of the more, I suppose, highly fancied uh, teams. The other thing I did want to mention about Canberra just quickly was they've yet to score in the first half. <laughs> The earliest goal they've scored is the 48th minute and six of their eight goals have come from the 75th minute onwards. So um, something to to keep an eye on for the rest of the season with Canberra. Procrastinators. (laughs) Girls after my own heart. Love it. (laughs) I vibe with it. Leaving it late. (laughs) You know what? Have no choice but to stand. Um, 
So, yeah, we've got three games now coming up for this next week. We've got Adelaide taking on Victory on Friday night, which will be interesting to see if Victory can produce a response. And then we've got two games on Sunday, City taking on Brisbane. That one will be uh, eyes emoji for various reasons. And then Sydney taking on Newcastle in a kind of groundhog day for both of those teams. But um, let's move on from dub chat. Let's get into the boot. Sam, lace up. What what are we booting this week? So we flagged this earlier in the episode when talking about the Brisbane Raw Melbourne victory game. Uh, No one is surprised that this is what we're going to be booting this week. But you know what? To be honest, I'm just really tired of talking about Fox Sports. This is not the first time that this has happened. Um, For anyone who didn't watch, uh, there was a a fantastic Brisbane Raw Melbourne victory game, 6-0 whomping by Brisbane. We talked about it earlier in the episode. But it it was really overshadowed by some really amateur hour technical glitches by Fox Sports, their producers and broadcasters of the W League. Um, In the 12th minute of the game, the feed completely dropped out. It went completely black. The the game clock disappeared. The scoreboard disappeared. The audio disappeared. uh, And the only thing thing that was uh, remaining was the Fox Sports logo in the top corner. Uh, alongside the incredibly ironic motto, uh, Every Moment Counts, which I really enjoyed. Um, and it, it stayed like that. They, they sort of, they, they, uh, they flicked to a couple of ads. They played some highlights of a men's Asian Champions League game for six minutes. A good six minutes of that game was lost because of this technical fuck up. And you know, it wasn't It wasn't even just those six minutes either. You know, the game was played on a pitch that was quite badly lit. It looked really terrible on television. It was filmed with a single camera that was really limited in its scope. It couldn't zoom particularly well. There were no replays that were available during games. And for the six goals that were scored, you'd like to think that we would have replays of them. Uh, there was no halftime analysis. There was nothing of that of that sort of nature, the kind of things that you would expect for a professional competition to have. And I'm just fucking tired of it, you know? Like this is this is a broadcaster who has been in charge of and is in charge of the way that this league is presented to the world. This is the kind of stuff that FIFA are watching, the AFC are watching, people who are wanting to come to Australia in 2023 are watching games like this and are like, really? This is like, this is how, this is fucking amateur hour, guys. So, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised at all that it, it was so bad that someone like Kate Gill, the PFA co-chief executive, came out on Twitter and criticised it, someone who tends to stick to herself when it comes to her opinions on these kinds of things. Um, and, you know, the whole of social media predictably and naturally were pretty outraged you know it was really infuriating and it was just you know I'm, I'm just sort of I just feel this overwhelming sense of resignation and I feel like that's a lot of people in football not just in the W League but in the A League as well that Fox Sports fucking things up is just part and parcel of being an Australian football fan now like this is just this is how low the bar is we just expect it um and that's not good enough you know I, I really hope that now that the leagues are independent and there has been a lot of chat about the fact that uh, the the sort of extended broadcast deal with Fox Sports only runs out at the end of this season, which gives the clubs and the leagues uh, more sort of freedom and opportunity to perhaps seek alternatives, alternative broadcasters, alternative options for the future. I hope they take it because the last couple of seasons, the way that Fox Sports has treated both of these leagues has been fucking diabolical. It's been embarrassing. And over the next two and a half years leading up to the Women's World Cup, it is so, so important that the W League is treated with the respect that it deserves because we need to show the world that we do give a shit about this thing that we're going to be hosting the most enormous tournament of in two and a half years' time. We need to show people that from the grass to the sort of the the off-field standards for our players 
to media, to fans, to broadcasting, that we actually give a shit. We need to put our money where our mouths are and we need to prove it. And if Fox Sports aren't able to do that, then they can fuck off and bring, we need to bring in someone who does. Ah! Big old Big boot, old boot from you. Fuck them. But um, I think it's, it's a great point, that sense of resignation. It's just like, of course this has happened. And I put it in our group chat. I was thinking about it in, I suppose, terms of the concept of goodwill. I feel like Fox has just burnt any kind of goodwill they did have. So people are less forgiving and, you know, technical difficulties do happen. These things do happen. But when it's part of a wider kind of body of work where, you know, this is wrong, this isn't featured, this goes astray or whatever, it all just kind of builds into this giant thing where it's like, do you guys care? I don't I don't know. And it's it's a weird one as a fan to uh see and look at and stuff. Um but yeah, it's just it's really weird and it is disappointing. And I think Kate Gill was very correct in her tweets you know it's not she's not trying to punch down here she's like no we all need to do better as a collective as as the football community in this um in this sense but it's just yeah like i i can't get over the word resignation because that's really what it is every time we do potentially talk about booting fox it's like I guess we're going to boot Fox again. They're going to do something again. Like there's just, it's it's no one's first time at this rodeo and it sucks. Like, like this is the thing, right, Marissa? Like when we talk about peak dub, it's it's it, like the limit does not exist. And I feel the same way about Fox Sports fucking things up uh, in terms of broadcasting. Like the limit does not exist. It's going to continue to happen. We saw it happen with the giant floating hexagon. We saw it happen with the Wellington Phoenix goal that was missed in the A-League. You know, we've seen it in previous seasons as well of feeds dropping out, of audio not being great, of, you know, all this sort of stuff that continues to happen. And like it just, it's it's fucking infuriating because it, it, it feeds into this wider cycle of why people are not paying attention to the leagues. You know, we live in an era now where so much of our consumption of sport comes through television, comes through, you know, it comes through live streaming. And so if that product looks shit, we're not going to want to watch it. You know, I don't understand the logic behind them doing this, of them just scrapping these things together. Being, oh, yeah, like a single camera for a game featuring a whole bunch of Matildas. That'll be fine. You know, throw them on a pitch on the Gold Coast that has three lights. That's fine. And then they expect people to tune in and and to attract new audiences, particularly not when they've fucking advertised it at all. Like what? What? It, where is the rationale in that? I don't understand it. So, yeah, I, just, I like I really, really hope that the league's and the clubs are brave. I un- I know that Fox are going to throw more money at them at the end of the season, and there's going to be the temptation there for clubs who are particularly cash-strapped to want to grab that because it's it's a life raft and it's something that they need in the short term. But this game, these leagues, particularly post-2023, are going to take off, and that is the thing that I think the clubs and the league sort of decision-makers need to bank on. They need to build up towards 2023 with the W League and then they need to trust that the energy and the enthusiasm and the investment that comes in and around hosting the Women's World Cup is going to make this league soar because it will. We know it will. We've seen it happen elsewhere in the world, but we need all of the different parts of the ecosystem of Australian football to come together and to really give a shit and to prove that they give a shit by doing things on the ground and like showing it on, on 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 the kinds of screens that we all use every single day to to engage in this amazing sport. Um, so yeah, so it's it's you know I, I don't imagine this is the last time we're going to be talking about this. Um, to their credit, Fox Sports did come out last night and apologise. Uh, they did say it fell short of our expectations, and they gave the reasons that there was a an equipment malfunction um, and a technical. Lit- technical glitch for the two major situations that we've seen in the W League broadcast so far, um, which is fine, but also you're fucking Fox Sports. You are a multi-billion dollar international company. How can a cable 
that is has been slightly damaged in travel result in this sort of thing like it's that's not a good enough excuse for mine so get your act together or or piss off so that we can bring in a broadcaster who actually cares absolutely and I think just well the last thing for me was we know how good the broadcast can look and I think that also adds to the element like I was watching a couple of the highlights before we record and stuff you look at the production value of like Canberra Perth and you've got multi-camera you know it's well lit yes it was in the daytime but that shouldn't be an issue that shouldn't be a defining factor and it's just like we know we can do it we I suppose have the ability the template the resources that it should be done so really it's this should be a redundant boot but we're here and we're booting anyway so Especially considering, so this is something that I haven't even mentioned. Like I, I write about this for The Guardian this week because it's like I'm, I've just sort of had it up to here. But another thing that I don't even mention in that and that we haven't mentioned in this is the fucking $40 million government grant that Fox has, has received over the last couple of years to, you know, increase their broadcast of women's sport, their coverage of women's sport. Where the fuck is that? You know, that Brisbane-Melbourne victory game sure didn't look like a $30 million game to me, Marissa. I don't know if it did to you. Don't know where that money is, and I also don't know where the money is that taxpayers have been effectively paying twice to Fox Sports for us to be able to watch games on ABC. Uh, so that 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 whole thing is still a big a big sort of question mark for me. And you know they've never come out and talked about where that money has gone or what has, what it's resulted in. Uh, but it's pretty clear that it hasn't resulted in increased production values for the W League based on the games that we've seen so far. Yeah, and a lot of the tweets did mention that $40 million and I think people were right to bring up that because it's a uh, Fox Sports, explain, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> you know. Oh, God, that's going to be turned into a meme. Anyway, <laughs> all right, let's 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 move into some how goods. We need to get into the how goods. Harrow, a how good? Marissa, my how good I don't think can ever be beaten because it's purely this. Tilly's frolicking in the snow. Um, it's it's exactly what you're imagining. Um, there's been plenty of snow over in the UK, um, in London, in Bristol. I think they might have even got some up near Hayley Razzo, who's at Everton. Um, but, yeah, just very wholesome content on Instagram of, like, Caitlin Ford, Alana Kennedy, um, those two in particular, just losing their mind over snow. Um, I think Ford, it might have been one of her first times in the snow. She's posted an Instagram of it. Um, a lot of games, as we know, in the FAWSL got called off. Um, so I think a lot of those players in their respective bubbles decided to make snow days of it. Um, so we've seen Caitlin Ford sliding down hills, Alana Kennedy doing the same, um, Sam Kerr just losing her mind at, at Chelsea's facility over all this snow. It, it's fantastic. Like, go look at their social media um, because they are absolutely living the dream. It's been so tough for them in lockdown over there, having games cancelled, postponed, rescheduled. Um, obviously the limits on what they can do socially. So it was just so nice to see the girls who are missing out on their Aussie summer uh, get to enjoy a bit of snow and, yeah, snowball fights, snowman building, just frolicking, fantastic stuff. How good? How good indeed. They really did all respond to it like the beach babies they are. But um, Angela, do you want to do your how good? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, please. Oh, so sweet. Um, my how good. Uh, Nikki Flattery and Grace Barr getting their 50th game together. Uh, it's so cute. Anyway, um, and love that for them and just so happy that it <laughs> happened um, at Canberra as well. You know, what? Is that an appropriate <laughs> response? It was exactly appropriate, yes. Yeah, okay. Response. Yes. Um, and... Yes, just warms my soul. That's all I have to say about it. So, yeah, um, if anyone couldn't understand me just then, um, Nikki Flannery and Grace Ma both played their 50th games in the W League, which is huge given how young they are, but I guess that's the nature of our wonderful um, league in Australia. And, um, yeah, just really sweet. And I I love how it's matched up so perfectly for them both to do it while they're back at Canberra um, on the same game. I don't – do you reckon they planned it? I don't. Mm. Anyway, either way, I love it. How good? My second how good is Angela's reaction to that how good. <laughs> yes. Like I thought my 
talking about Matilda's frolic in the snow would be the biggest Nuffcraft moment of the pod, but no, 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 no. Angela's here to, to take it to another level. How good. The queen of Nuffcraft. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sam, how good? My how good this week is something that I noticed that was off the field, um, as all how goods tend to be. But this week it was about the normalisation of queer chat in the W League. Uh, There was a really beautiful interview with Michelle Heyman that was done on the W League website, uh, talking about her return to football, talking about the kinds of things that she did in her year of retirement. And one of those things was uh, meeting her new partner, Christine. Uh, and they fell in love and, you know, uh, Christine is not at all involved in sport, but it seems like a, an energy that uh, that Michelle really needed at that time in her life and she is obviously playing with a renewed kind of joy um, at Canberra United and she, yeah, and I, like it was just it was just such part and parcel of the interview, just understanding who this woman is and, and the things that she's gone through and the role that this person has played in her life, which was which was so heartwarming and wonderful. Uh, and also during the ABC broadcast of the Canberra United uh, Perth Glory game, one of the co-commentators was Grace Gill. Uh, shout out to friend of the pod, Grace Gill. And Grace Gill is married to Chantelle Jones, who was uh, who was. Canberra United's goalkeeper uh, for that game because Sally James had an injury to her finger. And there was, yeah, and they, and Steph Brands and Grace just talked about the fact that Grace was married to Chantel, like it was nothing. And that, that I mean, you know, the fact that it's just so normal is, I think, something that's really important to acknowledge and to celebrate about the W League, you know. Women's football around the world more generally has been a really important space for queer women to not just to play, but to support the game. Um, considering relative to the men's game, so many more athletes in women's football are out and proud. Um, and even if they aren't out and proud, they they still um, are out within their various circles and their various teams. You know, that's one of the things that I don't think is is really celebrated about women's sport enough, is that it is this really important space for queer women to, to be themselves and to feel comfortable and to feel accepted. Um, so shout out to the W League website, shout out to ABC, shout out to Steph Brands and to Grace Gill and Michelle Heyman and all these amazing women who have just made it so normal and so easy uh, to to be a queer, a queer woman in football. So, yeah, how good? How good. I was watching the, the highlights of that and, like, hearing Grace Gill, obviously very professional, talking about, mm, yes, that was a great save from Chantelle Jones. And in my head I was like, I imagined her doing, you know, like the John Mulaney bit, like that's my wife and that's just (laughs) in my head every time she had to speak about her in like this professional capacity. So I had a good chuckle watching the highlights um, to myself. Uh, A couple of just like quick how goods. We had Sam Kerr winning the UK Young Achiever of the Year Award, which is annually awarded to an Aussie in the UK for their contributions to the community and just doing good stuff and Sam Kerr is definitely doing good stuff so how good and Ellie Carpenter was voted the AFC player of the year for 2020 it's a fan vote but I don't think that detracts from just what an excellent year Ellie Carpenter had for both Melbourne City and now for Lyon so how good to those two but um we'll wrap it up it was a big one from us as it always is uh Feel free to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. So Apple, Spotify, Google. You can follow us at the Far Post Pod on all social media. We got lots of dub at the pub submissions and it warmed my tiny heart to see all of you getting around it in your own way. So feel free to keep doing it, keep hashtagging it, keep tagging us in it because we absolutely love it. And um yeah, until next time, see us. <laughs>